Hey, how's everyone doing out there? I know I'm doing pretty well. I'm sitting in my room, drinking a cup of coffee, talking to you great folks. Um, welcome to the Stories on a Shoestring podcast. This is the first ever episode, so I'm very excited, a little bit nervous uh, to sh- share all the great things that we have to say out there with everyone. Um, yeah, so I guess to preface the show, so Stories on a Shoestring is kind of an idea that me and Matt, one of the other lovely voices that you'll frequently hear behind this microphone, um, we came up with the idea that to just record the interactions and the the people that we meet while we're on the road. We all do a lot of traveling, so um, we, 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 might, we meet so many great people when we're out there traveling, and it's... There, there's so many unique perspectives and great things that people have to say, and we wanted to pass those lessons and those interactions along with the with the people that that we love out there in the world. So this is our way of doing that, and we also we also kind of want to have it just as something to look back on as well. Um, but yeah, so that's basically where our inspiration for the podcast came. I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, but spe- speaking of Matt, Matt and I are going to Colombia here in June. Um, so if you guys have any recommendations on people or places to see, or maybe um, itineraries of just any- anything to do while in, while in Colombia, let us know. Uh, I'll put a link into the podcast description about a place where you can reach us. Um, yeah, uh, uh, one of those places is the Reddit page. Go check that out. It's r slash shoestring stories. Um, on there is just a just a page dedicated to the podcast and sharing travel resources and stuff like that. I think there's just one post up there right now, but soon to be plenty more. So go check that out and contribute there. This episode of the podcast is with my really great friend Kyle Russell. Um, and also Pepper the cat, you'll hear her in the background as well. But um, Kyle, he he is a really awesome guy. I've known him pretty much ever since I moved to Marquette. He he was here, and he's he's just so, such a great guy for so many reasons. But he's been truly inspirational to me and and a mentor to me. Um, and the fact that he is just so motivated, he has, he has a tattoo on his back that says doer, I'm pretty sure. And he is a doer in every sense of the word. If he sets his mind to something, it does not matter what that thing is, but it's just a matter of how he gets there. And I, I, I truly believe that he has no obstacles and or not, not that he has no obstacles in his life, but that he can overcome any obstacle. And I think that's just a really inspiring mindset to have. And that's something I've tried to adopt in my life. And I think, I think we could all adopt that a little bit more. Um, we talk about a lot of different things. Um, one of the things that he briefly he, he briefly mentions at the beginning of the episode is uh, my Peace Corps application and the interview that I had, which uh, I'm really excited about. I got accepted to serve as a forestry and environmental change agent in Senegal, West Africa. So I'm super, super excited about that. Um, I'll be leaving in, in September, September 23. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of preparation for that ever since I got my uh, I got my visa application in, as well as my passport application in. I've been getting my legal and medical clearances, so it's uh, it's really it's really dream come true. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm and I'm really excited about. And I hope to continue this podcast through my service and 
record some episodes with all the great people that I meet on the way. So before we get into the conversation that Kyle and I had, I'm going to play you guys a song by an artist I recently discovered. They're called Sahad and the Natal Patchwork. Um, pulling up their info right now. So Sahad and the Natal Patchwork, that's spelled S-A-H-A-D for Sahad and Natal, N-A-T-A-A-L. Um, the song that I'm playing, it's, I wish I could pronounce it, Nadiasis, N-D-I-A-X-A-S. It's off their Natal album, recorded in 2015. They're really great artists from Senegal. Go check them out. You can find them on Bandcamp. I think you might be able to find them on iTunes as well. Um, but yeah, go check them out. They're a really incredible artist from Senegal. Um, so yeah, without further ado... Here is Kyle Russell and Sahad and the Natal Patrick. Salamatan, Bismillahi, Alif Lam, Mim, Kitab. Yeah. 
two big differences between this conversation and another conversation like I, uh-huh. I, I kind of want to ask you more questions about the peace score stuff yeah but i think the point of this is for you to, to ask me questions i mean it's all it's so, all good <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm i'll just say i'm anxious to uh for you to find out how that goes you know? yeah yeah me too i i feel really good about the interview i i think it went well it w- helps I, I i don't know i talked to you a little bit didn't i yeah, afterwards did. yep. um I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know i've been telling a lot of people about it but um yeah, what really helped was that the guy that was interviewing me was just super cool, which is really nice. I've been reading a bunch of stuff on Reddit. Um, did, I, did I tell you this before? About all the interviews people had done? And yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk, you, I mean, I was impressed by how much you prepared for it. I feel like I know you're going to get it just because of how much preparation you did, and I don't imagine most other people doing putting that much effort i should say into yeah into the interview i, I wouldn't have <laughs> like, i mean i don't not know to say it's bad i just i don't think i would have i don't know but it, i don't know i feel like it kind of kind of goes back to a conversation that we were having at your house like you know, last week or the week before where like if there's some there's a goal that you have with that with like your mindset in life if you have a goal for something that it's just how how you have to get there yeah um and i don't know i i kind of I, I, I that conversation was in the back of my mind a lot when I was preparing for the interview because cool. I was like I was like man like it's not it's not up in the air it's not like this this thing that's out of my control is 100% based on like how I prepare for it yeah and and it's it's, it's all based on me not, not anything else that's definitely a factor I think because you know what you're doing sounds cool to me but I don't think I want it the way that you do which mm. is why I would because you're right if, if it was if we were having this discussion about something that was super important to me or that I felt strongly about wanting to do, I absolutely would have done done all of that work. You yeah. Know? Um, by and large, I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants guy. I trust my intuition a lot, and I just kind of like I do what feels right, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's it's worked well for me, uh, so I don't question it or try too hard to to restructure the way I think about those things. But when something is really important, mm-hmm. you know, then. It's like I I know to buckle down. Like I can't leave this up to chance. You yeah, know? <laughs> this is gonna happen because I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I definitely yeah definitely tried to embody body that during that interview and I don't know just just a lot of other aspects in life too with, with school especially it's like like grades aren't up to chance. It's all up to up to, to how how you prepare for it and stuff. Uh, yeah, with the with the occasional. <laughs> instructor exception yeah <laughs> some people it always amazes me in some classes when you find out instructors like don't want anybody to get 100 percent. they like do things i don't i almost want to say maliciously mm-hmm. say intentionally yeah to keep people from getting to that point but yeah <laughs> i don't know it doesn't seem like a very fair way of doing things but i feel like there's got to be sound like some sort of even sound reasoning behind it i just don't understand it mm-hmm. or at least I feel like they have to think there is. Yeah. I don't think... I'm not, like, trying to paint these instructors as bad people. I just... It would be nice if we could... 
if people are listening to this live and somebody <laughs> would call in right now, yeah. and be like, I have an instructor and I have a course that I run this way and this is why. Yeah. Hmm. Keep yeah. your keep your uh, your eyes or ears peeled for somebody you encounter as an instructor in your travels that does this <laughs> and do a little interview clip on it. Yeah, that that would be cool. I've been thinking about uh, in, interviewing some of the like really cool professors I've had um, I, while I'm still at university here. Maybe if you're not uh, podcasted out after that TED talk tonight, <laughs> uh, you could find somebody. There's like a, a whole thing. Do you know about like the get the dinner? Did you go last year? No, no, I didn't. So after they do all the talks, uh, there's sort of a gathering or a dinner reception. All the speakers are there, and you get to talk to them and ask questions and stuff. Um, but if there's one that piques your interest, hmm. or two or three or twelve, you know, maybe you could exchange information with them because they're all NMU alumni or current students. Uh, so alumni, alumnus. I think alumni is yeah. plural. I, th- I feel like I've seen. I don't know what alumnus hmm. means. Doesn't. A little embarrassing, but that's a good idea. Yeah, hmm. you know, even if you don't do the interview tonight, you can talk to him a little bit and say, "Hey, I started this podcast." And yeah, next thing you know, by the end of the week, you'll have <laughs> two weeks worth of episodes to release. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I I haven't read over like all the speakers that are going to be there, but just through word of mouth, I've heard that there's going to be some pretty cool, cool stuff. Some of the topics are repeats from last year, which if you didn't go. Hmm. Um, or at least in the the little uh, blurb that they write about what the speaker is going to talk about, they seem to be repeats of last year to me. Maybe they're going to go a different direction with it. I don't, I don't really know. Hmm. But the topic for the TED Talk is a little bit uh, vague, I think, or at least it, it came off that way to me. It's just digging deeper. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the topics seem kind of... Uh, I don't want to say self-help related, but like, um, there's a word that's escaping me right now. They're related to kind of like, uh, things that are going on in society that, uh, would behoove us to work on, I guess. Mm. Like, uh, kind of investigating why those things are happening, I think. Okay. And, uh, pre- hopefully presenting solutions. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's what we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Get there, so. That's their job to talk about it. They're, they're the experts, not me. Yeah. Well, cool. So I, um, I wanted to ask you just about, I don't know, like your, your history and I guess how you got to Marquette. Um, I feel like we've talked about it sure. a lot just through knowing each other, but I don't know. Where does where does the story begin? You grew up in Florida, right? Yeah, well, I guess everybody's story be- begins there, or wh- where they grew up. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that in my life growing up had an impact on what motivates me to, to do things in life. Um, but without getting too much into that, I guess the, what led me here kind of starts in Washington. Uh, so I was in the Navy for uh, like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Did and you go into the Navy right out of high school? Yeah, well, basically. Uh, it took me about a year to leave. There was... It was paperwork and just people made mistakes, uh, overlooked things. It, it delayed me a while. Okay. Then I got a minor injury, but I had to get delayed a little bit longer. It ended up taking me a year to leave. Okay. Um, but yeah, essentially I tried to join right out of high school. And uh, But yeah, so then I did, was in for almost exactly 10 years. <laughs> and then uh, I ended my time in Washington and got out of the Navy there. And I actually had planned to leave the country, I was going to move to Chile. Um, 
which is uh, I put a lot of research into where I wanted to go and why, and uh, it's almost a whole separate topic on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up not leaving because I started dating a girl who I'm no longer with, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't think I should leave at that point. You know, it's kind of like millions of people have a story probably <laughs> not too different from that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, no regrets about it at all. You know, just, uh, that's just the way that it happened. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I got out and kind of worked for myself for a while and, uh, you know, started trying to grow my own food and raise some different animals and in um, Washington still in Washington. Yep. And, uh, I, a lot of the stuff I did, I, I lived with a guy for a while, a friend of mine, uh, who was very helpful. Uh, we, we had kind of a good like working relationship where he was, he stayed in the Navy after I got out and he was going out to sea. And so I helped, I lived with him for a while. Uh, and I didn't pay rent, um, in, the in a formal or like conventional, I should say way. Um, but you know, by being there, he was able to like, to have a dog and do other things. And then I was building projects around the house. So I would build rabbit hutches and chicken coops mm. and help him with you know french drains or retaining walls or all this other stuff we built a greenhouse um and i i would put my money into these things too at a comfortable pace for me so Mm -hmm. what was cool about it was i got to sort of design and build these projects um and he was getting the result of them but i got to kind of learn from it so maybe he didn't have the best version of a greenhouse (laughs) i certainly didn't try not to do a good job you know but i got to learn from it so that when i build one later you know it's like well now i have a better idea what i'm doing Mm -hmm. it didn't cost him nearly what it would have cost to do it on his own and he did and it was able to get done when he wouldn't have had the time going out to see yeah it was a really cool dynamic um and so so was it at like, did he have like a pretty big piece of land or? Uh, two and a half acres, I believe. Uh, it was, you know, living up here, looking back, I wouldn't call it rural. Mm-hmm. When I lived there, I thought it was rural, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and cause it, it bordered a, a couple of like 40 to 120 acre parcels, if I remember right, something like that. Um, so there was a bunch of wooded land behind it, um, some moving water and not, nothing big, but basically enough space that we didn't have to have leashes for our dogs or anything. Cool. Uh, you know, we just like let them out and they came back later. Yeah. It's no big deal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, we actually found out as a, as a side story. Uh, we were in town one day. Actually, he was in town. This is a secondhand story, but... Um, he was in town one day with both of our dogs and when he came back he told me he had run into a lady who recognized the dogs and knew them but didn't know their names because we never <laughs> even had collars on our dogs you uh-huh. know? and I guess she had, they had been going to this lady's house for like a year or something and she would like feed them like sometimes they would come back smelling bathed and we're like that's so weird yeah this lady had been like taking them in and then she would like send them back out later a second home uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. a second dinner uh, yep yeah. yeah, so that was pretty cool to like <laughs> have funny. that come full circle because we could have never found out about that. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was pretty neat. Um, but at any rate, so I did that for a while, and then I ended up uh, moving in with the girl I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried growing some more food there and uh, raised animals longer and rabbits there. Um, so I'd done like rabbits and chicken and ducks and geese, I think, and. Uh, planned out how to do uh pigs but never actually started it um i had another friend with a farm 
who had like pigs and goats and uh, he had a lot more uh, stuff than we did mm-hmm. and uh, I, the short version of the story I guess is it just didn't work out but um, mm. partly because I, I was always sort of one foot out the door yeah uh, when I started dating that girl I was talking about I, it was pretty clear from the beginning uh, that like I wasn't gonna stay in Washington even though I love I love Washington I love the Pacific Northwest I just kind of knew that I needed to leave at some point mm-hmm um, so I was always really upfront about that. Um, but it, that's probably a big part of what kept me from like getting into bigger commitments of animals and things like that. Just cause then it's just, it's just more to disband later. Mm-hmm. Wait, so your girlfriend at the time was kind of like, like you you were doing those things at your girlfriend's property yep, afterwards? I did, okay. Yeah, I did them there uh, as well. And her family, so they had a little bit of land and they had like a pig pen and they, they oh god I don't even the t- my timeline is a total guess I don't remember but maybe 30 years maybe mm-hmm. less than that or a, a long time before I came into the picture they had been raising animals and stuff on the farm so oh, okay. there was sort there was like a, a broken down infrastructure hmm. uh, so it wouldn't have been a lot of work to implement those things yeah uh, it would have there was some work that would have been required but not not a ton compared to like what I'm trying to do at my house now yeah. where I'm starting from you know, a rocky field and mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to, to do everything. So we'll get there, I guess. Um, but at any rate, uh, I was enjoying doing all this stuff. It was just a lot of work uh, to do by myself. And by myself, I don't mean, I mean, the, for the two of us, like, you know, being in the Navy, it's, it's just, part of the program that you make friends and they move or you move and so Mm -hmm. like you end up with your closest uh the people closest to you spread out across the country or the world you know Mm -hmm. um so which is it's cool in its own way because it helps you figure out you know what people are important to you because when someone's three thousand miles away and you still make time to talk to each other (laughs) like that's that tells you something yeah about your relationship Mm -hmm. and when someone lives two houses away and you can't make it next door to like (laughs) come over to say hi Mm-hmm. That might tell you something too, even if you don't want to admit it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for all of that too. But I wanted there were people that I wanted to like be together with in an area, and so um, we started talking about doing this farming and gardening and like kind of people always call it a commune. I have had sort of resistance to that word. Yeah. But uh, it's, there's a lot of connotations that come with that word. Yeah, they think everybody. Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure, I don't. I won't now that I've like. <laughs> taking the time to think about it but I just realized we didn't talk about that yeah yeah but you know they just think everybody wants to screw each other you know and like, yeah yeah and that's all it's about and um what I was going for was like getting you know these small groups of people or families together to to work together to have like a little bit larger plot of land and help each other so that you can afford to take time away to go travel or do something instead mm-hmm. of just like being trapped there and so yeah. I spent uh six months or a year somewhere between six months and a year probably like looking at properties online and and i mean i anybody who knows me knows i'm pretty like analytical and organized and so i i mean i was making spreadsheets i was like i was doing the whole (laughs) everything you could think of to organize everybody's thoughts and having these long conversations with people on the phone to figure out what people's priorities were what was important to them what they were looking for in a property as far as like all of your friends who you wanted to start this yeah place with? yeah kind of trying to gauge their level of interest and then but i mean we talked about school zones and local politics and we talked about wow. everything right mm. natural disaster that you name it you know mm-hmm. um 
so we we fleshed this out for a while and i kind of came up with a, a group of um like probably five or seven people or families that i thought had like a reasonable chance of being interested knowing that number was probably high but like that's where yeah those are the people that were closest to me and so what i did actually is i i just took a like a picture off uh, google images of a map of the United States and I just started putting stars everywhere that I knew people I could stay with. Okay. And so I uh, I, I skipped over part of this. I'll get back to you. That's important. But I just, when I left my home in Washington, I just started driving around the country in a sort of zigzag pattern connecting the dots <laughs> so that I never had to pay for a place to stay. Yeah. Some people I stayed with for a couple of nights. Some people I would stayed with for, I planned a week and I ended up being there for one family. I stayed with them for like two and a half months, I think. Wow. Um, uh, so I just I just kind of did I don't know what felt right mm-hmm. as I went everywhere. And sorry, you said that most of these people were people you knew from through the Navy. Yeah, or? I stayed with family too, okay. but yeah, uh, by and large, people I met in the military. Um, and and uh, and I like I said, I have family spread out throughout the country too. You know, I've got I saw one of my cousins in Colorado that I hadn't seen in like more than a decade. Um, <laughs> And that was super cool to see her. I found out actually she's getting married this August. Um, she had just met when I went to visit like the week before she had met her fiance. Oh, but cool. it was like too <laughs> soon to introduce to anybody. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, she like didn't say anything. She never mentioned it. Um, and then uh, I guess like I had some other buddies and this is in the Denver area. I had some other buddies in there. And like, I remember a couple of them being interested in her. They were like, what's the story with your cousin? Blah, blah. And I was like, I don't like you ask her, you know, yeah. <laughs> she's a human, you know, she can answer those questions. But, yeah. um, but then when I was talking to her about the wedding, uh, like a month or so ago, she was like, Oh yeah, you've met Mark. Uh, and I was like, no, I haven't. And then we put together that she like, didn't introduce him. Oh even yeah. We, yeah. So that's but, funny. Well, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, but um, when it, going back a step, when it came time to leave Washington, uh, I had been looking at these properties and I could see that it was like bothering the girl I was dating because her whole life was there and she wanted to leave and come with me. But she, I knew that um, that it wasn't the right move for her. And yeah. uh, you know, some would say that that's a selfish decision of me to make. But if you understood how integral she was to like everybody in her family's lives there and how important they were to her and how much I didn't want to go back. Yeah. You know, uh, and how much I wanted, like, and I didn't even want to look back, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to like keep moving forward. I didn't want to have something like pulling me back in life too. So I just kind of had to make the decision that some people would say like should have been a decision for us to make, but I knew that it was just mine, um, to leave because she said she would come with me, but it would have, it would have been terrible for her. So, yeah. And well, for both of us, I think so. Uh, and as an aside, like a few years later, she finally sent me a message and she was like, Hey, like I'm paraphrasing essentially like, I'd like kind of understand why you did that. And she Mm -hmm. like listed some family events that have happened and she's like, I wouldn't have been here for these things. So thank you. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That was like really, really cool cool to get that. Yeah. The entire time leading up to that. And I didn't think about it often, I guess, but, um, or I didn't think about it an unhealthy amount, but, mm-hmm. um, but I did kind of like feel like I just like shook everything up and left and that wasn't ever my intention. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. That's really cool that she, after, after so long, she told you that like it, it was actually a 
good thing for her to stay there because yeah. I don't know that I'm sure that like weighed on. I mean, ha- had its toll on you. Yeah, I mean, I'm extent. pretty good at um, like kind of like keeping my chin up and looking forward. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it still felt a certain way, and it changed the way that my memory of the situation feels now. Mm-hmm. I guess so. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, so I left and just I sold or stored with a friend actually a bunch of my stuff and uh, started driving around and staying with people and really in person like it became easier to gauge people's level of interest in this sort of farming mm-hmm. endeavor and uh, some people I thought would be interested weren't yeah and that I mean that was the whole point that's okay you know it's like you don't have to be interested it's just if you are you know let's figure this out yeah and then uh, some people were more interested than I thought they would be and so we I kind of had this like ideal property described as well as it could be on an excel spreadsheet yeah. you know <laughs> um and of course there's an there's an image you associate in your mind with it too and so i know what i'm looking for and uh so i spent um <clears throat> the better part of a year driving around the country just looking for that property and then uh actually so anybody who's listening who doesn't know marquette michigan's in the upper peninsula which is like a separate tract of land of Michigan. <laughs> Michigan's two separate pieces of land. <laughs> it sounds silly to say, but I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure many people and, don't have yeah. forgotten about Well, there are maps that don't have it. It's yeah. just, it doesn't even show it. <laughs> I have to look at those maps more carefully to see how they like delineate the Great Lakes from each other. Mm-hmm. Do those maps have only four lakes on them? I, <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't... Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I didn't know the UP existed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was downstate visiting my brother, um, and uh, talking to him. He's my half brother. So his mom is uh, a real estate. I don't know if guru is the right word, but uh, well connected and very mm-hmm. knowledgeable in the world. And uh, so I was picking both of their brains about the subject, and he was helping me look for properties. And he kept showing me these pieces of land that were like what I was looking for, wow. and they were <laughs> affordable. You know. Like everything else I was looking for in Idaho or Montana or different parts of the country were mm-hmm. significantly more expensive or lacking like major features, you yeah. know. <clears throat> so I was like, where are, like, where is this? And he kept, he was saying Michigan or the UP and I didn't understand until he showed <laughs> me on a map. And I was like, I had no idea that that was there, which is, uh, there's a little bit of a, this little, this, my story is a little bit conflicting here because I do remember early on in my search finding a property in the UP mm-hmm. um, and I didn't give it much credence because I talked to like two people about it and all they told me was that uh, I would never be able to go anywhere except on a snowmobile mm-hmm. like they painted it like all year long <laughs> if you don't have a snowmobile you're stuck in your house yeah. like that you know and, and part of that sounded fun yeah and I was like well you guys still gotta make money and I, like, I don't know so I just like crossed it off and I think I, maybe I forgot the UP existed after mm-hmm. that is probably more accurate. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I came up here and, uh, <clears throat> I started looking at properties and I, so the, where we're sitting right now is, uh, I'll give like, can you make a spot for your, the climbers co-op? Yeah. Like, where yeah. We're sitting right now. And... Um, like, like a little plug for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're in my bedroom and at the Marquette climbers <laughs> cooperative. <laughs> Sounds so, like a studio in here, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Market Climbers Cooperative. Uh, it's a housing cooperative that's focused on creating a sustainable community. Um, 
So, yeah, so we largely have focused on environmental sustainability, like growing our own food and stuff, kind of kind of a lot of the things that you were looking for in like a homestead and stuff. We try to integrate into the into the city. We live just about downtown, um, like a block away. Uh, but yeah, and, and you, I mean, this is, was this the first place that you found when you came to Marquette? Well, I, I found... I came up here looking for a specific property okay. um, and I had couch surfed in the past and, and various other countries and, um, and actually in this country, I've thought about couch surfing as an aside in my hometown <laughs> before just to meet people. You know, I like lived outside Seattle. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, like I've always had such positive experiences with that website. So anyway, I found you guys, uh, you didn't live here at the time, no. but I found the climbers co-op, um, through the couch surfing website. And, uh, they, I asked for them to put me up for a night or two. Um, well, I like looked at a couple properties and traveled through, and they welcomed me with open arms. They were like, "Yeah, come on through." I told them I had a dog. I was traveling with my dog, um, <laughs> Summit, and uh, so yeah, I, I went and looked at uh, the first property and I liked it. And then I started looking at more of them, and each one I liked more. And then eventually I found the place that I bought. And when I walked through that property. Um, I knew immediately that that was the one I wanted to get. Yeah. Uh, the other ones, I was like, well, I really like this, you know, but this one, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a job or anything. <laughs> you know, I had some money saved, but like not enough to buy a house. Um, <clears throat> and I had had this idea that I'd be able to do a land contract or a number of different things mm-hmm. um, to try to make it work. But the guy that was selling it was not interested in any of that. Yeah, you know, he I, just wanted to sell it. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, from his perspective, you know, this guy shows up, like, living out of his car, doesn't have a job, wants to buy your big plot of land and house, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, get out of here. It's probably what he's thinking. Yeah. So, um, but I showed up a couple times. I kept coming back, and I was, like, real serious in conversation, and asked hmm. probing questions, and was observant about things, and mm-hmm. I think it didn't take him long to figure out that even though he probably thought I was crazy... Or didn't understand. He was like, he, I think he figured out that I was serious. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was at least like not pulling a string, pulling his chain. So, um, so yeah, I uh, made an offer on the house, and uh, he was like, "Dude, did you get a job?" I was like, "Not yet. <laughs> I'll find one." You know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I came back to the climbers co-op and. Um, <clears throat> told him what I had found and done. I had been talking to them about it, of course. Mm. I made friends here quickly. and uh, They welcomed me to stay here, so I slept out of my own couch, essentially, for like three months here, <laughs> give or take, uh, in the summer. And that was the summer of 2016. 16? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they yeah they i offered to like you know pay they just i just kind of contributed to food and helped do chores and shared knowledge i had on the like, fixing and building things and yeah um so that it was really nice i did that for the summer and i got a job uh it was in, this my first job up here was an interesting experience because it was like it was an exercise in uh kind of setting my pride aside to just like do like i wanted a thing and I didn't want to work at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Um, but I got hired to be the general manager of a store up here. And, uh, you know, so I was like, okay, well, what I really want is this property and to pursue this this whole other thing. And so I, if, it would be stupid of me to, like, not take this job. Yeah. 
you know, so I was like, okay, you know, it really, really, honestly, it wasn't a, really much of a question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew what I that that was what I needed to do. Um, I got three job offers, uh, my first day job searching up here. <laughs> um, but the other ones didn't, oddly, this one paid more than the other two. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> you wouldn't have expected. Like I, I, I made just enough. Yeah. Right. Um, and the bank was like, made me write a letter about myself to them, which I thought was weird. <laughs> oh, like, really? Why do you think you can do this job? Uh, like, why can't, I was a, <laughs> I was a little offended, yeah. but at the same time, they were like getting ready to loan me a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they want to make sure that I'm qualified, you know. Yeah. Which I, yeah. So I get it. Um, anyway, fast forward, I I got the job, and then, um, you know, I, I was, I've always been super good at everything I've done that I've tried to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if I when I put the effort in, so you know, there's no surprise to me that that I was successful at it. and it shouldn't be it's like most people are like well yeah it's easy like well it's actually a lot harder than you think it is especially the number of hours you have to put in for mm-hmm. the small amount of pay um, but I took the store from one of the uh, lowest ranking ones for that franchise or for that chain that company in, in the country to uh, I don't remember exactly where we, it was like the top like 10% less, less than 10% in the country Wow. Uh, in like three months. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and so when we when I first started, they, I like told them what I wanted to make. I was like, I want to make this amount of money, and they said, Well, how about this like much crappier salary? Mm-hmm. You know, as I like, crunched the numbers, and I was like, Okay, I can like survive off of it if I eat a lot of food at work. You know, <laughs> um, so I accepted it, but with the condition that like they would give me some metrics, mm-hmm. and in three months we would do a review, and if I could meet the metrics, I wanted to make this other salary. And they were like, yeah, it's reasonable. Probably mm. thinking, good luck, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I blew those metrics out of the water. My team, my team, and I did in mm-hmm. like in three months. Uh, and we had people coming from out of state to like ask what we were doing. You know, hmm. they're like, you're like doing a great job. Like, <laughs> I did had no idea the store could perform this well. Yeah. Um, so I was like, great, let's talk about money. You know, <laughs> like, well, I had a feeling you were gonna say that. <laughs> Hell yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was like, yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, this the short version of the story is um, my it. I can only I only know so much. That I only know what I'm told. But I guess my immediate supervisor was uh, shirking a lot of responsibilities, and uh, at least that's a story. You know, who knows? It's hard to know what what happened again. Yeah. But um, and apparently she never talked to anybody above her oh, about yeah. any of that. And so she ended up getting fired for something else or let go. Mm-hmm. And uh, then. So I started talking to the replacement, um, who had been one of my trainers, and that person knew about the agreement from the start, so mm-hmm. she was able to back me up and be like, "Yeah, this was what he was promised." But it still like went above you. And, yeah, and so them. anyway, the the shortest version of the story is after like eight or nine months, they were still trying to get me to negotiate with myself. They'd come back and be like, "Well, what's a different salary you'd take?" <laughs> Have you ever negotiated with anybody before? That's not how it works. Yeah, you know, like I I tell you what I want. You say yes or no and give me a counter offer, and then I say yes. Or, it's just like yeah. They're like, well, pick a, pick a different number. <laughs> no, go higher. <laughs> yeah, that's what I should have done. Oh man. Anyway, so eventually, my my now new boss, who was also my, had become my friend, I sat down with her and I was like, I I felt bad because the store. Like, before I started improving it, they were going to close it. Oh, really? Uh, so now they're like, well, maybe we'll keep it open, you know? Um, and so there, she's in this really weird position where if I leave, 
she has to hire somebody for a store she knows is going to shut down, hmm. which is a shitty thing <laughs> to do, you know. And if I stay, then I'm getting taken advantage of. So, you know, I just sat down with her and I was like, look, this is how I feel about the situation. She's like, yeah, as your friend, I would leave right now. <laughs> she's like, as your boss, I want to know what I can do to get you to stay. Yeah. Um, but she's like, you're, they're proud. They obviously don't, like, are not going to give you what you want. Yeah. Um, that, that's so, awesome. Nice, honest answer. It really was. And I was like, well, I'm like, really, it made it easy. I was going to do the same thing no matter what. Yeah. But it made, it was, I appreciated her handling it that way because it made it really easy for mm-hmm. me to not feel bad about saying I'm leaving in two weeks from today yeah you know um and then they're like I, I feel like their attitude about it was you just bought a house dude you can't leave you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like hey <laughs> watch me so yeah that I mean I, I think I think it's really important to like but like you said like be able to like put your like pride aside and be able to 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 do like a job that you really don't want to do, or you know you're like, you you have qualifications and interests in a completely different direction. Uh, that's something I try to remind myself a lot. Is that like I'm not really too good for any job. Yeah. Um, but I think that's super important. But just as important is not resigning yourself to mediocrity yeah. too and getting yeah. comfortable with it. And there's like a, a it's it can be. For some people, anyway, uh, or just at different points in life, a difficult balance to strike. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all if it's worth it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when I was in the navy for ten years, I was a mechanic on a nuclear reactor. You know, like I left as, as a supervisor, and so I, I was able to or qualified to be in charge of an engine room that operated a nuclear reactor. Like, mm-hmm. I remember there was a guy that came in and got a, a deal uh, at work, a combo meal deal, and was like sitting there. He bought two meals. Right, and so he's sitting there, and he's back there studying, and he's got two whole meals, and like I could tell, he's just planning on sitting there for a while. So mm-hmm. I like went back and like picked his brain a little bit. We started talking about different things about physics, and just at some point, he's looking at me like, like, who are you? And the man <laughs> this rest, like, why do you know this stuff? You yeah. Know? Um, so I told him a little bit about myself, and he's like, and I will never forget the the words. Maybe I've I've, I've changed my mind. I'll never forget the look on his face when he was like, "Why the fuck do you work like?" Like what happened to you that this is your life now? Yeah, you know? like, and I kind of had a similar conversation with him uh, to be like, well, sometimes you just gotta like, so you gotta do what you have to do, yeah, you know, to um, <laughs> to accomplish your bigger goals. So, mm-hmm. so so that that job allowed you to be able to get a house and, yeah. and settle a mercat. Yep, and then I've just uh, been figuring it out since then. I've yeah. taken seasonal jobs and I have the GI Bill, so I get paid to be in school, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm still doing right now. Um, and then I, I've been keeping my eyes on the job market up here and I, I find opportunities every once in a while that, uh, I think I could get, I've, I, I apply for them sometimes. Um, and, but ultimately, uh, it's hard wanting to finish my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to accept a lot of full-time, like of the opportunities that exist that are full-time because they, I, in fact, I talked to somebody at the FAA uh, less than a month ago, um, who didn't offer me a job, but he, it was like the last day that this particular job was available. And he was like, Hey, nobody's applied for it. You're qualified. Like you should go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but he also told me in the interview, if you will, that, uh, he's like, I don't care if you ever get your degree, you know, he's like, I just need, and he just needed somebody to come work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's great, you know, and it pays well, but, um, it just wasn't totally in line with what I want to get done right now and so yeah. I, I didn't 
uh, even apply, which I have, I have this tactic that I use. I don't know if it's the always the healthiest, but it, it works well a lot of the time when I have trouble making a decision and I realize that my time is spent deciding is like is disproportionate to the value of the decision. You yeah. Know? Like if you find if you're like going like spring cleaning, you're like going through some stuff and you have this old trinket and you're like, God, do I keep it? It's memor like it's got uh, sentimental it's, value, but it's been sitting in a box for five years. Yeah, sometimes sometimes I'll just break it. Oh, uh-huh. and then I'm like, well, a decision's made now. Yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't think that's like a destructive side of me coming out. I think it's like me just like just trying to move on to Forcing the next thing. Decision, you know, yeah. yeah. So I you know I was really up in the air about this 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 job offer or opportunity I should say it wasn't an offer um and so I was like well if I just don't apply for it you know then I don't have to stress about this all summer and worry about whether I should finish my degree Mm -hmm. I've only got a semester or two left you know if nobody gets hired they're gonna post it again yeah they still need somebody and I can worry that'll push me back a few months Mm -hmm. anyway so I just I didn't apply for it uh maybe it was laziness but I think that I was like following my intuition that it wasn't the right timing anyway Mm mm-hmm uh, I don't remember how we got on this topic. <laughs> Just how you got to Marquette and stuff. Yeah, so uh, I'm still in school and stuff. I'm uh, actually I've been doing a lot of work on my property, and uh, we I guess we skipped over something important. So uh, nobody ended up following me up here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So. Did people just like not? Did people's lives just carry on, and just that didn't become a priority for them, or what happened? Yeah, pe- people? people were uh, varying levels of committed. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say there were. There were four groups of people by the time I was done traveling that I was hopeful would come up here, two that I was optimistic would come up here, and one that I was certain would come up, hmm. uh, or as close to certain as you know as I could be, closer to certain than to just optimistic, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the ones who I thought for sure were coming up uh, encountered problems with selling the house they were living in. Um, the without airing out too much of their business I guess basically it was their house but it was in their mom's name or something and then uh, there's some real estate laws about gifting the house and when you can resell it and oh, then who pays mm-hmm. taxes and gets the blah 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 so all of a sudden they started investigating this and selling it became a huge financial burden mm-hmm. and a nightmare and they were like we don't want to leave that bad Yeah, <laughs> essentially you know yeah. and I still talk to them and they still are anxious to go away but um I think it's become a low priority for them. And yeah. they've got kids oh, okay. uh, who are growing up. And, of course, at this point, they're, like, making friends. And mm-hmm. so moving becomes much harder. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I get that. You know, I'm not. There's no hard feelings for me toward anybody. Um, but the people I was uh, – that I'm closest to that I um, – that had the longest uh, lead time before they would come out were a couple from, from the military but who lived in San Diego at the time. And um, he made his last transfer to shore duty, but he's going to retire soon. Uh, he made his last transfer to shore duty um, to downstate Michigan, mm-hmm. which puts him kind of a little closer to his parents in Indiana, but also kind of equi- almost equidistant from me and from them. Okay. So the Navy basically paid to move him most of the way across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when he gets out, you know, he can – their original plan or, well – I don't know if I can use the word plan. Uh, it, it it made it easy for them if they decided to come up here. Um, 
they're already very close by. They would have gotten used to living in a different climate than San Diego. This mm-hmm. wouldn't have been as drastic of a change, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, they were never going to come up here until even like a year or two from now to the UP. But um, they decided uh, not to come up here the rest of the way, I don't think. Uh, it, the cold was a lot harder on them. The The move was hard on their kids. Mm-hmm. And so moving another time is like is a big deal. But also, if they're going to do it, they almost want to go away. Like, if they came up here, I think they would still be anxious to go someplace warmer again. Oh, yeah. So they ended up moving two more times instead of just one more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they they didn't make it, and they were kind of the last one. So now and, – and I planned this. I knew – that there is a potential that nobody was going to come. You yeah. Know? So I, I tried to make sure that what I bought while it was a property that was suitable to develop and like build more houses. So I bought a place that like somebody could move into and live with me mm-hmm. while they built their place or while I built my place and they took that, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that had parcels that were adjacent that, uh, were, that had a reasonable chance of us being able to purchase. Um, so the houses and, basically all sides, well, three of four sides, one of the sides is public land, three of the four sides, um, you know, from the stories I heard before I came up here, there was a reasonable chance that I thought I'd be able to buy different ones, and mm-hmm. it's like, one of them has more fields, so like, if people wanted to have cattle or livestock or something like that, um, that would be more reasonable, uh, there was one property that's just a two-acre, like, mobile home, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, for one of the families that, uh, wouldn't have been able to afford as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is a, a wooded lot that uh, has absolutely nothing on it but maples and a stream, you know. And so, like, it's just a blank canvas for yeah. me to eventually paint, you know. Um, so uh, I set myself up with enough opportunity if people came up, but also I made sure I found something that uh, if nobody came up, I wasn't going to be, like, screwed yeah, into yeah. not being able to afford or work myself or something like that. Um, so, you know, and that helped keep me from getting bitter about like nobody ending up coming up, you know, and like, and having that healthy expectation that people's lives and plans change, Mm -hmm. you know, I did everything I could to try to prepare for it leading (laughs) up to it, you know, give it the best chance of success possible. Um, but it, you know, it just worked. And of course you come places and you meet people Mm -hmm. like the climbers go up here, you know, who have similar interests. And so you kind of like make your own sort of network of this stuff anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Um, definitely. It's just nice to have the people that that you've got years and years of memories and experience with. Like, it'd be nice to have those people around too. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. you looked like you were gonna say something a second ago. I kinda... Oh no, no. Hmm. Um, so what was the wh- what made you originally want to join the Navy um, back when you were so young? Were you just like trying to figure out life and figure out what to do, or? Uh, I didn't actually have any interest in joining the Navy. Yeah. Um, my dad was in the Navy and so oh, okay. was his dad and, um, it wasn't, he didn't force me or persuade me or right? mm-hmm. really very heavily even to do it. He just encouraged me to talk to a recruiter mm-hmm. and like explore the option, figure out if I liked it. And if I didn't like it, he was not gonna try to shove it down my throat. You yeah. Know, it was just, just like, Hey, I think this has got potential and it's foolish. It would be foolish to not ex- like learn about the opportunity yeah yeah definitely. Um, I was like, oh, that makes sense so i went mm-hmm. and talked to them and they're like hey we'll give you a bunch of money <laughs> i was like well you're gonna give me how many thousand dollars just to sign that yeah <laughs> I was like, Shit. 
that's way more than I make right now. You know? <laughs> High school, I'm like I could buy so many beers, for, like you know, whatever, you know. Like, so I'm just kidding. Don't drink in high school. It's like, <laughs> your brain's not developed yet. Honestly, probably don't drink ever. But yeah, <laughs> I still do sometimes. So. But yeah. And then you did you go straight to being on nuclear submarines? <clears throat> it was like a much? almost two years of training. Okay. Um, that goes into preparing you to go out there um but yeah you go straight into the training well you go to boot camp and then you go straight mm-hmm. into the training program there's something called a school so you learn about the basic principles of your job and a reactor and how it works mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh <clears throat> i don't know man i like analogies but uh they're eluding me right now but it's it's a very cursory look at it, and in fact, you end up relearning everything. And they tell you most of the stuff you learn in A school is like <laughs> not entirely accurate. Yeah, it's just to like get a concept across to you. Mm. <clears throat> so then you go to power school, uh, which goes into a lot more detail about things, and then you go to prototype, which is uh, like a it's a literal operational reactor mm. that uh, everything you do, you've got you know like a like somebody working like immediately next to you keeping you from operating the wrong switch or oh, okay. saying you're doing the wrong things yeah and so you start up and shut down this reactor all like a couple times a day you know mm-hmm. and then uh you get qualified to perform certain tasks and then when you're done they're like all right here's your orders go to the fleet hmm. um and then you go to a real submarine or aircraft carrier or, or whatever and uh start your job and qualify all over again because each reactor in each plant are a little bit different you know there's some can not like a concept or design differences between the plants and there's some just nuances from mm-hmm. one plant to the next but mm-hmm. um you have to learn yours you know mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> and then along that you're learning like regular submarine safety stuff you know because not you know i not to overstate the seriousness of it but if you think about being in a steel tube underwater you know it doesn't take long <laughs> when something goes wrong for everybody to die yeah you know i'm sure so it's really important that you know what to do the second that something catches fire or floods or you know, any other thing, it can go wrong. So, about how many people were on a submarine? Um, uh, roughly two hundred. Okay. Um, a little less normally, but it fluctuates. And there's different kinds of submarines. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's they have various capabilities and um, various sizes of manning depending on what their jobs are, but. Um, a lot of stuff on the topic is really like uh, secretive or like well-guarded stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm. um, I don't, I don't go into too much detail about it, but yeah, fair it enough. was a, <laughs> it was a cool, it was a cool experience. Hmm. Um, that I was, I did it for 10 years. I was halfway to retiring, you know, but I just, I had, I had enough. Like I got what I needed out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I was still good for the Navy at that point, but I think it was not good for me anymore. Yeah. So I just, Needed a change. How mu- how much out of that ten years did you spend actually on the submarine? Um, so about half of it, I was actually stationed on a submarine, and about half of that time, you got to see. So my boat had two different crews. Hmm. Um, so you would go out to sea for a period of time, two to six months, depending, and then you'd come back, and the other crew would go out. Um, so you're still training and doing simulations and stuff when you're in port. And uh, some of those periods of time, you're doing repairs on the boat and stuff. But then also, you'll occasionally go for a ride on a different submarine that like needs help. So I might 
uh, especially when you're when you're first qualifying. But sometimes other boats are short staffed and they need help, so they might fly you somewhere to or or if it's a boat that's stationed in the same place as you, you might just walk there, you know, hmm. and then you just go out to sea with them for a few months when you were supposed to be back on land. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and then you end up like flying to meet your boat somewhere to like even your schedule back out. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, so it you know some periods of time were a lot more than half. Some mm-hmm. periods of time were a lot less than half out to sea, hmm. but uh, five years are about stationed on the boat, and then the so there were about two years of training, and then the last three years I did um, what's called work control. So basically we. Whenever a boat comes into port, we would uh, be sort of the the liaison for the shipyard uh, for all of the work, for the safety of all of the work happening. So anytime somebody wanted to open up a system or do, do any kind of work, we had to, they would come to us for authorization to hang danger tags and things like that mm-hmm. to make sure that we safely isolated the system, drained it, depressurized it, whatever. Um, and then we would deal with the retesting of it a little bit and then an opening system back up. Hmm. Um, so, uh, it was, a it's kind of a daunting job because the boats kind of split into three sections. There's like the, the aft part of the submarine, which is the engine room. And okay. there's the, then there's like the missile compartment and then there's the forward compartment. And each section is kind of by and large responsible for different aspects of what the boat does. But, hmm. um, even though you, uh, learn sort of cursory understanding of every part of the boat so that you're able to uh, help with damage control or things that go wrong uh, it's you, you're not required to get the type of understanding that you have to have if you land like a work controls job because I'm responsible for now like isolating and uh, and um, depressurizing or just danger tagging and, and opening up every system on the boat yeah so you kind of have to know pretty in-depth of every everything yeah. that's going on there yep and so uh, starting out at that job is a little bit daunting because and you're also kind of a single point failure, you know, hmm. like it's it's not designed this way in, intentionally, I don't think. But um, the work controls, typically the people that work there, are people who like retired from the military and been in the shipyard for a long time. So okay. uh, I was far younger than all of my work peers. Really? Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so people sort of look at work controls as like what they say go if i said something mm-hmm. it seldom was questioned which hmm. is like no i guess <laughs> walking into that job and you're like okay i like have a great understanding of this part of what's going on this back of the boat mm-hmm. but the other parts are like i only know so much so you have to really be mindful about what you say to people and how much like research and effort you put into your claims and statements because there's a really good chance that someone's going to walk out of this room and go talk to somebody else really important and make a statement that, and they're going to be like, work control said so. And yeah. then that higher up person is going to take it for gold. <laughs> How? You know, it's really? Like, yeah. So, I mean, the consequences of your actions are, can be, can be huge. Hmm. Um, but you just have to, as long as you like, you just learn to use the resources you have available to there. Are, there's a ton of experience available to me. There are people that have the same job as me. Mm-hmm. And even if I was the lead on a boat for a refit, there are still other people I can talk to who have been doing this forever. It's okay in, the, in a conversation between me and another sailor to be like, all right, I'll get back to you, right? Mm-hmm. And then go do my research and figure that out. Okay. And as long as you like have the wherewithal to do that and you know what your resources are, the books and the people and stuff, um, you, like it works out, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. when you get in trouble is when you, <laughs> is when you think you know something uh-huh. uh, that you don't and you don't look it up and you just... Because it... 
everyone's in a hurry all the time. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. There's so much work to get done in such a short period of time, and there's so much waiting that happens for silly things. And you don't, especially having just come from a boat, and I can relate to being on the other side mm-hmm. and having to wait on work controls. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so it's like I do not want to be the reason these people are waiting. Yeah. So it's it can be hard sometimes, uh, to to make them wait longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was looking back, I actually really enjoyed that job. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was more rewarding than being on a submarine was. Really? Yeah. Uh, cause I, the difference is, see, I had that job as still an active duty military person instead of a civilian, which most of my counterparts were. Oh, okay. Um, so, so were most of those your your other coworkers? Did they like retire yeah. and then they took a just normal position with with work control? They took another job in the shipyard. They might have worked for an electrical shop or some other shop, and they kind of people move, tend to move around mm-hmm. a bunch and then eventually like end up here. Hmm. Uh, typically, is how it goes. You certainly could just get hired into work controls if you had the credentials, okay. you know. But um, and there were other military members in there, but uh, really like. For most people, shore duty is a time to just kind of like screw off and not have to work hard. Yeah. Uh, which I understand because on the boat, when you're out to sea for, I mean, you work way, way too hard. It's, oh, it's, sure. like, it's, I remember people having to like cancel their own weddings and stuff Whoa. for work. I mean, it's just, uh. I mean, it's just crazy what they subject you to. Um, and so I totally get, and I am not bashing anybody for having the attitude on shore duty of like, I just want to do as little as possible for a couple of years and see mm-hmm. my family and yeah. get, like leave at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have that attitude. Um, if I was going to be at work, I wanted to work and get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that was if there was nothing to do, I did not want to be there. Yeah. And so a lot of people, even on days when there wasn't much work to do, would find themselves like just kind of screwing off at work. And I was like, you like you want to spend time with your family like i get you want to go home maybe your kids are in school or you know but me i was like yeah i would stay for double shifts if i had to if there was work to do nobody mm-hmm. would ask i would and eight hours would, would end and there was still work that needed to get done i wanted to help the sailors in the boat who start at 6 a.m and are working until midnight or 2 a.m hmm. like they want to go home too you yeah. know so i would rather stay for six extra hours and help them and yeah i'm tired and it's more work for me i'm used to it right now you know mm-hmm. um but when the boat's not there, I don't want to sit in the office and like flick rubber bands at flies. <laughs> yeah. Since just, it was terrible, you know? Hmm. So I made it really clear from the start that I would produce high quality work as much as work, what was required, hmm. you know, but that I did not want to be bothered with, um, some silly meeting that was really just to like cr- cause you to have to be at work. You yeah. know, it's like, a, I remember the first time I took I took some balls the first time, uh, one of my bosses, especially as military, because you like you're not supposed to do this. Yeah, he was, <laughs> like, he was like, "Hey, we have this thing," and I was like, "I'm not gonna be there." It's <laughs> like what? Like, and I, I didn't mean any disrespect, you know. I was like, "Look, mm-hmm. I bust my ass for you guys all the time." I was like, "There's literally no, like, there aren't even any submarines in port, <laughs> right? There, like, there's nothing going on that's important." Mm. anything by the time this conversation's over you could have told me whatever you're going to tell me at the meeting yeah save me an hour commute a 40 minute walk down maybe it wasn't that long of a walk but it's like it was just it was ridiculous yeah so I was like I'm not going to like if there's something important you'll see me tomorrow I'm going to stay home and play with my dogs and like build something you know Mm -hmm. Um, and he did not really like it much but I think that uh, after we like had a chance to talk about it in person later and like and I explained what I'm explaining to you now I think Mm -hmm. he like 
kind of appreciated that and started standing up for me in these things. Other hmm. people were like, where's this guy? Where's Kyle? You know, I'd be like, well, he would be like, well, he's, he's got something going on. Yeah. You know? Huh. That's that, all that, anybody needed to know. That's interesting that you were able to, like, I guess kind of take that sort of liberty because... I don't know. When any, I'm sure anyone who has any civilian has like a image of the the military is like, there's no no bullshit. You can't do yeah, anything like that. Which I'm sure there that is the case a lot of the time. But yeah, that is what it's like. Uh, I just this kind of goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. I just don't. I I don't accept. I don't like to accept things just because. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to understand them and. Um, and I, I have no problem accepting things I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, any more than anybody else, I should say. Uh, of course, you don't like those things, you know, but um, uh, if, he'd, if he'd had any sort of logical argument or reason for why um, I needed to be there, I mean, even if it had been for himself, like maybe it looked bad that that he didn't have people at work and he was getting, I would have come. Yeah. Like, to, that's legit. I don't, yeah, I totally. don't want you to look bad, you know, mm. but like, just because <laughs> you want to talk about our plan for next week, uh, <laughs> like how muster time is going to change mm-hmm. by five minutes because so-and-so was late or someone got caught picking their nose and eating it. And we shouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't need to come to work for that. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, and it eventually developed into a really. I got a, it developed into a really cool thing where, um, you know, they would let me save up my days off. So oh, I would okay. like, I would come in and work these extra shifts, and they would say, "Hey, when you do this, like, we'll count the hours, and then you can like." They kind of organized it a little bit for me, mm-hmm. which I thought was fair. Yeah, you know, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I had no problem with that, and that was kind of like this happy meeting we came to. What was cool about it was um, the freedom I had to use those so you're only you're not allowed to have more than four days off in a row in the navy okay. in the military without dropping like formal leave oh because okay. um, they, ha- they can't have you out of sight mm-hmm. for more than that period of time make sure you're like are shaved and like representing the military well and yeah. not doing drugs and like you just not across the country or across the world somewhere like getting into trouble or what you know whatever yeah, so yeah. um so what I would do is I would uh, like plan my days off and figure out like what the boat schedules were and I'd be like okay so if I, we have the weekend off so if I if I use Monday Tuesday as like some of my hours I have saved up then Wednesday I know there's not going to be any work to do you mm-hmm. know because like this whole week is so I like go in in the morning and then it'll be like a two hour day mm-hmm. and then I'll take Thursday Friday again so I have like <laughs> essentially nine days off in a row wow. I have to work like two hours in the middle <laughs> were, were other people able to like no, do that I, was, no. <laughs> I felt I was that was at the extreme of it all you yeah. know but like it was it was pretty cool to like but you know what um, I I produced higher quality work than any of the other military uh, people at my job and I was able to articulately, I guess, that's odd, an odd word to mess up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, defend myself, like, mm-hmm. in the critique if something went wrong and, like, uh, and justify my actions and, like, so I just, um, I had set myself uh, apart um, from the others and I, I think it made it easy for them to give me this responsibility. In fact, I even stood in for our supervisor, like the civilian supervisor, mm-hmm. uh, some days because there was this like sort of quarreling that went on between some of the workers. Like, 
uh, because of the person that got promoted to be the supervisor. Mm. Everyone else was like, well, I thought I deserved that. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm sure. So then when the supervisor needed a day off, they were like, well, I'm not taking, I'm not filling <laughs> in for him because if you wanted me to do that job, you should have hired me. Yeah. It's just like, this petty stuff. Yeah. But I was like, well, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got some to, brownie points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I didn't have to do anything crazy. Um, but yeah, I'd go to meetings and like talk about what the group is doing and stuff like that. So it was, um, that was pretty neat to do. Mm-hmm. And I got, uh, I could have stayed in Washington and done that job, and it paid well, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that comes right back to, like, I had been, you know, I, when I got out, I had been itching to move to Chile. I had, or to, to move in general, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, now I had this new plan to, like, move together. And that was why I stayed in the country, actually, um, as opposed to leaving, was that I was like, well, if I do all this stuff with, like all these other people that are interested, it's hard with kids and everything else and dogs and everyone's got families and lives and jobs to get a whole bunch of people to want to just move out of the country. Yeah. And I wasn't like trying to like, I feel like it sounds a little bit like a, um, I'm trying, I wasn't trying to start, I wasn't trying to start a movement of people leaving the country. I just like mm-hmm. had a place in mind that I wanted to go that was sort of idealistic to me. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, we, we run in, like, groups of, like, like-minded people, I, I would say, and I feel like ha- having that sort of, like, the dream of having, like, a, like a commune or, like, a homestead with, like, all your best friends or something yeah. like that, that's, I don't know, I feel like it's passed through all of our minds. Yeah, <laughs> I just got tired, like, I, at one point I sort of had thought about it, and I was like, well, the only reason this hasn't happened is because I haven't made it happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I should do it, you know? <laughs> But now that everyone's, like, not moved up here, you know, now I've kind of at this point where I'm like, well, should I leave again? Mm-hmm. Like, and talking mm-hmm. to you about your your uh, hopeful trips to Senegal with the Peace Corps, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I should sell my place. I think I can turn a profit off of it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason I can't do what I was going to do a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, every everything that had caused me to take this route kind of, uh, fell apart, or that mm-hmm. sounds bad. I don't feel like my like it fell apart, but it, things changed, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you've gotten me thinking lately about uh, where to go or what to do next. Uh oh, I don't know. If that's a good thing. No, <laughs> it, it is. It is good. Uh, I. It's a lot of work to maintain my place right now. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. I just uh, I'd like a little bit more time to do things I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be easier if you know. If it, you did have a bunch more people out there, like I could all do a fraction of the work. Yeah, I, I, I think my eyes else. were bigger than my stomach there. You know? <laughs> like I, I knew, I thought I was planning to take on something that I could handle on my own, but mm-hmm. it would just be a lot of work, and I certainly underestimated it. It doesn't help, you know, with the salty roads and long winters up here. Yeah, and having to drive forty minutes into town, and yeah, vehicles breaking down all the time, <laughs> and it's just there are some. Uh, probably unnecessary hardships. If I if I had a little bit more money saved up right now, it would be I probably could make it a little easier on myself. But at the same time, I don't want to sink money into vehicles that are that are gonna have a four year lifespan. Yeah, because that's as long as anything lasts up here. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It's a harsh environment, especially this this past year. It's on a harsh environment. Yeah, everything's flooding mm-hmm. from all the snow melting now. Yeah. For those of you who don't live in. The UP of Michigan, we had, I don't know, probably four or five feet of sitting snow on the ground like a week ago, a week or yeah, two ago. Yeah, and that's snowpack. Yeah, snowpack. <laughs> so that's not, like, we didn't just get five feet over the winter. 
We probably got that in any given two-day period. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like. So what was life on the boats like? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it kind of depends on you. Um, I guess, I mean, really, that's... Uh, you can apply it to most parts of life. You mm -hmm. know, it's what's the adage? Life is ten percent what happens to you, and ninety percent how you react mm -hmm. to it. Um, but I guess the the facts of it, uh, which have actually changed since I got out, I okay. talk to people that are still in the, the some of the things I'm going to tell you are no longer true. Okay. Um, but the way it worked when I was there was, you're on an eighteen hour day. Um, they're on 24-hour days now, or at least they switched to that at some point. I think they're still on them. Um, it's like you're, like the set time you have to be working. No, uh, I see how that was misleading. Basically, uh, like a clock is 24 hours here. Mm -hmm. We still use 24-hour clocks, but we kind of our our our, our uh, circadian. Well, no, that's not the right way to say it. Um, we treated it like it was an 18 hour day. So, uh, you would have a, we broke every, the wash sections down into, into three, six hour. Um, I'm struggling right now. I'm sorry. The three, six hour, uh, plots or whatever rotations. So basically if you're in section one, you might, um, on the first day you might work, you might have watch from midnight from mm -hmm. zero, uh, hundred to zero, 600. Mm -hmm. Um, and then section two would have it from six o'clock to twelve o'clock. Section three from twelve to eighteen hundred. Mm -hmm. um, and then that would be the end of that rotation. So section one would now start take the watch again at eighteen hundred. Oh, okay. Uh, and then go till midnight. Hmm. Um, so your day, your work day, eat, sleep, whatever you have to do, uh, was an eighteen-hour cycle. That hmm. uh, was. Just, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but huh. it was more complicated than that because you still had you still worked on a twenty-four-hour clock, and there mm -hmm. were still things that happened during the daytime for a twenty-four-hour day. <laughs> yeah. So let's say one day you're in section one. Let's say one day you have watch until six a.m. And now on the twenty-four o'clock, it's daytime. Mm -hmm. So even though you're beginning your twelve hours off, mm -hmm. um, which always after your watch, there's like you eat, and then there's like an hour or so of cleanup and stuff like that to keep things uh, keep things clean and mm -hmm. functional. Uh, and then if there was any maintenance and stuff that had to be done, the six hours that followed your watch, that was when that stuff would normally happen. Okay, your off-going time. Hmm. The six hours that were your oncoming time were your time to sleep. Uh, which was really about five hours because um, you'd probably have to shower or something, right, at the beginning of it. Or maybe you'd shower uh, when you wake up right before you eat and go and watch. And you have to go to your watch a little bit early to um, to review your watch station, see what's going on, get up to speed. Mm -hmm. So it's maybe five hours in your, uh, in your oncoming time that you could... Uh, that you could sleep uh, if if there was nothing going on on your oncoming time. Mm -hmm. Now, in this example where you're section one and you get off at 6 a.m., from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is kind of daytime, right? Yeah. So you do your off-going stuff, but also there's like drills getting run and training being conducted <laughs> and stuff like that. So all this is going on during the day, so your oncoming time kind of disappears and fades into some sort of drill prep or training or yeah. test testing or something. Um, and then the day ends and now it's 6 p.m. and it's your turn to go and watch again, hmm. right? 
So you go on watch from 6 p.m. to midnight. So now you've been up for 24 hours. Yeah. On probably like five hours of sleep, mm-hmm. uh, which is not that bad at this point. But now you're off going from midnight to 6 a.m., mm-hmm. right? So you've got cleanup and probably maintenance, some other stuff to do. <laughs> um, so now it becomes 6 a.m. when you're oncoming. But guess what? It's daytime again. Yeah. So there's other shit to do. <laughs> um, so now you're still up. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Um, then noon comes around and you go on watch. It's still daytime. Other people are doing stuff, but you're running your watch station. <laughs> so now 1800 comes around and you're off going maintenance and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe by midnight you get to sleep. And so now after being awake for basically two whole days, yeah. uh, you're able to get another four or five hours of sleep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. But sometimes your rotations work out, you know, so you get off watch at 6 PM and there's mm-hmm. no maintenance or anything to do. Okay. And then you just get 10 or 11 hours in the, in the rack sleeping. Yeah. You know, and then you get up for a while and it's great. So mm-hmm. you just learn to sleep when it's available. If mm-hmm. we're running drills and there's 10 minutes to spare, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you learn to lay down on the floor in the bunk room somewhere, you know, and you don't even take your uniform off yeah. or your shoes even. You just like <laughs> wait for a, a drill to start so you can hop to. You know? Wow. Um, so you just learn to sleep exactly when it's available mm-hmm. and function when and be awake when you have to. Huh. Um, did, did that lack of sleep or that intermittent sleep, did that raise tensions at all between people or anything? Yeah, or I was mean, it just kind of the norm? There's always an adjustment period because you got to see for a couple months. It's like the first couple weeks going out after mm-hmm. being back on land for a while are always the hardest mm-hmm. uh, until you can get into a rhythm. And once you get into a rhythm, time just kind of uh, goes by. And the more times you've done it, obviously, the easier it gets for you. Somebody who's out there for the first time also has a bunch of qualifying to do so they're probably getting less sleep and oh, it's yeah. probably harder on them you know um but they need to qualify because there's not a bunch of room for tourists on the boat yeah you know like you're there you got a job yeah people are counting on you um which is actually why it's kind of it can be kind of a rough environment you know people throw the word hazing around and i think hazing is a good word for when you're doing things that are inappropriate to people you know mm-hmm. um but it's also really important on a boat to know that people can handle stress. Mm-hmm. So there's a healthy degree of it that I think is uh, oh. <laughs> is okay in uh, some situations. Without getting into too many examples, you know, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm promoting, you know, any kind of like workplace violence or yeah or anything else. But uh, in your experience, but the thing is, the, the reality of the situation is that. Um, if something goes wrong, something bad, and people don't react immediately and take care of it, there is a reasonable chance that everybody on the boat will die. And so you got to find out if the people, or rather I should say, I understand people's sort of desire to find out whether or not you can handle stress as early as possible, Mm -hmm. because you want to be able to sleep at night and know that whoever else is on the boat and awake can handle their business when when something goes down. Mm -hmm. So so that's where that kind of comes from, and there's you know there's the whole there's a whole opposing school of thought on it, which is that like then maybe that makes sense, but that's what training environments are for. That's mm-hmm. what these. But the reality of it is, no matter how great your training is, it like nothing simulates thinking you're about to die. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. like, and so they have they have great elaborate trainers that come as close as you can, but you still know there's somebody sitting on the other wall who's watching you and is not going to let you drown. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and even in the fire simulators where you're like you go in this room and it's legitimately on fire you know (laughs) they have these massive fire suppression systems and people watching and monitoring who are there to make sure nothing catastrophic happens yeah uh if you fail to do your job so 
there there is a little element of it that you just can't simulate mm-hmm. and so i think that's why people treat each other that way sometimes on the mm-hmm. boat and and people that like that i had those experiences with became good friends like it's not a matter of not liking the person or not wanting to um or, you know, not being friends with them or not or having any amount of disrespect or contempt for them or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just like, hey, can you handle it? You know, yeah. when you're stressed out, and then, um, and then you learn that they can. Yeah. And um, so, so yes, people handle the sleep deprivation differently. And then the other thing is being deprived from your family, you know, and your lo- uh, and any of the loved ones that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, some people chose to. Uh, you know, write letters and emails and stuff every day and send them out whenever the opportunity arose. Mm-hmm. Um, some people chose to just uh, kind of shut out the world mm-hmm. because it was sort of a distraction. You know, like it just, when you think about the things that are going ba- on back home, it it just makes you miss home. Yeah. It's sure. easier to just be in a groove and get through it and sort of snap back out of it three or four or five months later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what What sort of mode did you have for for dealing with I preferred the latter but I you know I I also understand like people I didn't I'm not married with kids yeah, you know yeah. so there's I mean there's a, there are big differences mm-hmm. between somebody you've maybe dated for a little bit and like having a family and a commitment um but I did do some things like uh I remember my mom got me for one deployment a video of sunrise earth uh, oh can't remember who if it's discovery channel that makes those or what i can't remember what network it is mm-hmm. but um i probably shouldn't plug the wrong network here <laughs> uh but That's I, right. anyway i would like get up early um a couple times a week once a week depending on my sleep schedule and what was going on uh and i would like make a big thing of coffee in my thermos and i would sit in this little cubby and i would just literally for 45 minutes watch the sunrise somewhere else on the planet wow really? like over the sahara or where i mean they're just different ones you know yeah um, and it was, I just tried to use it as like, I didn't even, I don't think I even realized it at the time. It was sort of like my meditation, you mm-hmm. know, it was just like, it was very calming. And then, and some days I would get up and work out and just do things to keep myself in physical shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I just thinking about my job and what I had to get done. Hmm. You know, when I was there, I thought if I'm going to be here, I might as well be here and, and do it. And yeah. then when I was home, man, I did not want to be at work <laughs> you know yeah i used to i used to leave work for lunch and drive like 45 minutes uh to the nearest skydiving center uh and go skydiving on my lunch break really and then like go back to the <laughs> office yeah when we were in port yeah i was just like anything i could do if i could get away for a second you know mm-hmm. hmm. so yeah did you um was, was it challenging for you once you were off the boat to like mentally prepare yourself or something like that to go back onto the boat or is it just like the groove that you were in like on and off um i haven't thought about some of this stuff in a long time i think that i think sometimes it was it probably depends uh so sometimes the the rotation gets changed around a little bit so sometimes you like know well in advance when the Mm -hmm. boat's coming back um and then we adhere to that schedule and so you're kind of prepared for it uh mentally uh sometimes things change and you end up uh either if you're out to sea staying in a port longer because maybe something broke or or the schedule the schedule gets accelerated or pushed back because of some operational change you know Mm -hmm. so things like that can mess with you sometimes and make it a little harder 
and then of course everything's top secret so you can't talk to anybody about it so mm-hmm. even like your family or friends like you want to be like hey this is when i'm leaving but, like you can't do that <laughs> yeah. you know well. you just have to go and disappear mm-hmm. uh so that's i mean that's challenging um but also people that know you and like know what you're doing uh like I don't think I've never had an issue with somebody being mad at me mm. being like you didn't yeah. tell me you were leaving oh uh, yeah, yeah no because <laughs> they would have been I would have told them they were dumb yeah <laughs> so um so I, I can mess with you a little bit but uh and it is a certainly if you're the more excited you are about whatever's going on in your life mm-hmm. or if there's something you're gonna miss that's important you know that obviously makes it harder um and then planning to do things is difficult too because even though we have a schedule it changes often enough that you want to like take leave to go to another country or do something fun mm-hmm. and you have to you end up planning at the last minute kind of because if you're like well I want to do this in three months people are like oh yeah like put your leave in later you know like well I want to yeah. buy a ticket now because <laughs> they're this much money and like later they're going to be a thousand dollars more you know mm-hmm. and they're like well you could buy it but if the boat schedule changes like mm-hmm. you're not going to get to go yeah you know and I mean, that's the story I said about somebody's wedding there was a guy I can't remember if it was at the beginning of a deployment or the end of one but he had planned a wedding around this like this boat schedule and they were like oh our boat schedule is changing and he's like, well, I'm getting married. Like, where can I fly out to meet the boat? And they were like, oh, it doesn't work that way. Oh, man. <laughs> so I've got, like, family coming from all over the country. They bought tickets. And he's like, oh, well, I have to happen without you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's, oh, man. I can't, can't imagine how, <laughs> how upset you would be. <laughs> yeah. Or, I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I can, I neither can I, really. I, I didn't have that experience, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Are there were there any times that you had on the boat that like were just like outstanding that you like really missed the like camaraderie or, or that's the word right there camaraderie is the big thing um, you know when you're in these stressful situations and it's hard even just that even just the number of hours that you're working even when nothing particularly bad or difficult is happening it's one thing when like everything seems like it's breaking on the boat you know, like this it seems like the place you live wants to kill you you mm-hmm. know like that's hard but even when everything's going well and you just have a lot of hours to put in um it can be the the camaraderie that you kind of build with your peers is uh, probably one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. um thanks yeah If anybody's listening, that was Pepper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're our third guest. <laughs> yeah, the cat is getting a little, uh, I don't know, anxious or yeah. needy. Yeah, she's she's in the other room now. <laughs> um, so yeah, she or she, uh, <laughs> the the camaraderie was was the coolest part. Traveling was neat. Yeah, I was on a boat. I was fortunate to be on a boat that was able to make port calls. Uh, so we pulled into several different countries, and then I, on my own, traveled a fair amount too. Um, so that was that was uh, that was something I look back on, and then just the the whole nature of being out to sea for so long, and then coming back, you really you're like you're very eager to live mm-hmm. hard, you know, to yeah. like to like do more with your life, you yeah, know, to get the most out of it. In fact, um, that's a big part of how I kind of why I'm the way I am now is because it made me kind of see the value of like mm. the minutes that you have to do things yeah I remember um, there's I'll plug one guy just because he won't mind at all um, 
fact, maybe it'll help him. His name's Chad Fisher, a uh, guy that I knew in the Navy who was having kind of a hard time with some stuff. And I mm. remember uh, meeting him one time. He came over to my house for a party, and he was just kind Your of... Your house, like, in, in Washington? Washington okay. Yeah, a place that I lived. We rented for a year this uh, super... This was like... Basically, these people tried to sell their house for years, and they couldn't do it, so they decided to rent it out. It was their first experience renting. They did not charge enough. We lived in this, like, <laughs> mega baller mansion. It was, it was the coolest freaking house. You and a bunch of Navy guys? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we were, honestly, I think we were very responsible renters, mm-hmm. but there were some misunderstandings that led people to think something different. Hmm. Um and so I would put a sour taste in the neighbor's mouth and we just could never recover from it. And uh, so they talked to the owners and then we, we ended up leaving after our lease was up after a year. So we didn't get kicked out or anything. They just like didn't invite us back yeah. and they didn't rent it out to anybody else. Uh. And after that, they were like, I don't know, <laughs> this is a bad plan, but we, we were super lucky to be in this place. But like my bedroom had two glass walls, right. And it was like oh, looking wow. over uh, the Puget sound, like out toward, you could see basically like Seattle and, Edmund, like a, a whole bunch of shoreline. <laughs> On the 4th of July, it was super cool to wow. watch fire. You just see like hundreds of fireworks shows. Out, <laughs> you know, uh, it, the whole place was just ridiculous. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, he was like visiting and he was like, like everybody that came over was like in awe of the house, you mm-hmm. know. But also just telling stories and talking about different things I've, I've done with my spare time. He was like, uh, He's like, how do you just do this stuff? You know, like, it's like, you just make it seem so easy. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. <laughs> you know, I I remember telling him one story about uh, going to Iceland and, like, uh, doing this dry suit dive. And I was, like, touching North America and Europe tectonic plates at the same time. <laughs> and it was, like, right in the heels of some other story I told him. And he's just, but he's just, like, jaw on the floor. And I'm like, you, you, you can. You, ju- you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, all I did was buy a plane ticket and get on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I if I break it down into steps, all of these things that lead up to these cool experiences, running with the bulls or something else, like all it is is I just I just like figured out what the little steps were and then took them. Mm-hmm. And then there I am in this like iconic or cool place doing this cool thing and then eventually I come home and now it's a story I'm telling you, you know. Yeah. And I'm like breaking it down for him like this and I watched it just like transform his mind while I was talking <laughs> to him. And then I watched it transform his life over like the next couple of years and he went from this this guy who was uh, having a really hard time um, to now, fast forward, he's uh, he lives in LA and he's like with his uh, wife and ki- kids, two kids I think, and uh, they he's a voice actor. He's like uh, oh, so really? he like is oh. one of the main characters on Teen Titans actually. What? Uh, no way. <laughs> yeah, like I actually so I was, I was I built a website for him um, as a favor uh, a while back. It's something I was doing to like make a buck for people, but uh-huh. I just like did it to help him out. And uh, I think. If he's ever listens to this, I don't think I. If I did charge you, I'm not trying. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. It was I didn't. It wasn't much, but I'm sure, it's, your work is well worth the money. <laughs> but he, so he's like, he's got a really cool website now. But um, he just started just just doing what we talked about, and just like having an idea for or a dream, and then just pursuing it. Mm-hmm. And so now he's doing this stuff, and he loves his life. And he t- he usually messages me is messages me every year or two. And it's just like, hey, man, thanks for, like, turning my life around. And no I just had way. a conversation wow. with him, you know? Yeah. Like, a couple, I guess. But um, but it's super cool to see him doing that. And he's like, I, I don't want to be an act. I'm not going to say all the other gigs he has because I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to say something inaccurate. It's been a little while since I caught up with him. But um, but but big things, like uh, big movie companies and um, and commercials and, and things like that. He's done, like, a lot of stuff that I, like, catch from him every once in a while where I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, you know? <laughs> 
but I was visiting my brother and his kids one time and I was FaceTiming my buddy um, just to talk about like uh, how to do some updates on his website mm-hmm. and my nephew walks in and he's like what you doing Uncle Kyle you know so I told him and then he's like he asked my buddy and at the time I didn't even know this uh, mm-hmm. he's like he's like oh have you done anything that I would know mm-hmm. uh, and my buddy Chad is like he's like well have you ever watched Teen Titans and my nephew like lights up and yeah. then he like starts doing the voice from the character that he does the oh show. that's cool and he's like what and my nephew's <laughs> looking at me like you know this guy you what? didn't tell me and like I didn't know you know <laughs> like yeah so wow that's awesome yeah it was like super and so like later on my nephew was like can we record a video to send him mm. I still have it on my phone it's like him <laughs> like just like reassuring my friend that that's his favorite character like, yeah <laughs> of all and oh just, cool yeah it's super cute so um so I, yeah I, yeah I, yeah I was gonna say I feel like those I mean those conversations and stuff and that's like the reason why I want to do this podcast is because like and like, like people like you that have that mindset of just like like doing something not not just sitting and doing what comes to you but you taking an active role in your life and stuff like that yeah it's a good way to say it <laughs> I, I I don't know I, I feel like fortunately I've encountered a lot of those sorts of people in my life you being one of them and I don't know I, I really want to share those those sorts of people and that perspective with I don't know with family and friends and stuff like that and, and be able to remember that yeah and, and just like draw back on those conversations I hope you're successful with that obviously but also successful is like <laughs> how do you measure that you know yeah. even if all you take out of it is it's you get to like acquire these experiences for yourself mm-hmm. you know that's not nothing yeah yeah definitely that and that that's that, that's how I, I'm looking at that's it. That's you taking an active role <laughs> in your life. Like, how can I, like, I want some more people's good ideas so I can implement them, you know? Yeah. And you flesh them out. Some people will have ideas that are great and work well for them. Maybe they're, maybe it's circumstantial that it worked out. Maybe it work, just works well for them or that type of person. And mm-hmm. when you have to look at it and go, well, I'm glad that worked for you, but that doesn't apply to me. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. Or you try it and find out it doesn't apply, mm-hmm. you know? But that's all life is, you know? That, like, we're just, like, watching. All we do is observe other people do things, right? And then pick the best things and try them out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're a bunch of con artists. Like, uh, uh, Mimics. Co- yeah, copycats. <laughs> plagiar- I can't think of the word, but yeah. So it's always like not to get into another tangent, but uh, p- people. I- I'm not gonna go into it. No, no. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Well, just that. Yeah, I'm always. It, I, I never fully understood people's fascination with. Uh, um, assigning, or, or I don't. It's hard. This is, it's hard. I, I haven't really tried to articulate this yet. So, I'm, but it's not that I don't think people deserve credit for what they do. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I and or that I think it's okay to steal somebody's work or yeah, anything like yeah. that. It's, it's, it's absolutely not what I'm trying to say here. Um, but I'm prefacing it with that because I don't know if I'm going to find the right words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but basically, you know, because like a life is just a, a combination of, you know, what, what we just talked about, like what you've seen everybody else around you do and, and you've picked out the best of it. Um, it always, and I don't quite agree or, or see the, the need to, to credit people with every little thing. And I mm-hmm. think people have this sort of infatuation and a lot of times with, giving credit excessively, mm-hmm. you know, and like, uh, and 
and trying to identify where their inspiration was and stuff like that. And, it's, and there are certainly lots of instances where I think that's important to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like obviously in a literary work, if you're, um, if you're going to cite something and like publish it again yeah. as your own knowledge or information, like that's a, not only poor form, but illegal. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so now, and I get that. And so that, and that spills over into music and other art forms and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I get it's, it's when you're, especially if you're trying to make a buck off of it, you have to draw a line somewhere, but yeah. um, I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of think that people a lot of times have a, I think if you spent less time worrying about that and um, maybe, maybe really the problem is that people have, people want to uh, I kind of want to just remove this whole segment to be honest with you. Cause I'd like to plan out what I, what I, I don't feel like I'm like, I'm saying what I want to say. No, I, I feel like I definitely understand what you're saying. I, 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 I feel like I notice it. I, or I, I think of something very similar when I listen to like an interview or something with like a maybe like a music artist I really like like when they they're asked like where they get their inspiration from like like that that guy's probably m- listened to any any artist you can throw out and like you're going to ask like just one or two artists or what they draw their inspiration like we're always drawing inspiration from everything that that comes our way. Yeah. Um absolutely. Um so to, to I guess go back to the original point um, you know with your podcast and kind of like you're you're collecting people's experiences and like hopefully uh, putting them together in a place where uh, somebody else can kind of find a whole bunch of them in one spot you mm-hmm. know and then um, I, that, I'm glad I don't have this problem but <laughs> you're going to have your work cut out for you figuring out how to like title a yeah. podcast like yeah. this. You know, like, what do you call that to draw somebody's attention? Yeah. To get them to watch it? I have no idea. We talked about like 1,100 different things. You mm. know? Yeah. So. But in, and I'm, I'm just doing what I've, what I've seen other people do and what I really appreciate. Like I listen to podcasts and get a lot of my ideas and inspiration from that. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like hopefully I live a unique enough life where I can do that the same. Yeah, I think you you will and you do. Um, I I don't know that I would have sat down with anybody who was like, <laughs> "Hey, can you like sit down and let me record you?" I, I guess I probably I'm pretty open. Maybe I would have, but um, but I feel like I feel like you're gonna pursue this, you know. And I feel like uh, I'm I'm excited already. Even before sitting down here today, I'm excited to like know who you're gonna interview next. Yeah, like, I'm already eager to listen to the next podcast. Um, I had something else. I lost it. Maybe, maybe that's a good point to end it. At. I got to pee real bad. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Let's pause it because I actually okay. just remembered my other question. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> um, yeah, I had been wondering if uh, you ever, when you're like listening to other people's podcasts and getting gaining inspiration from these things. If you ever wish that uh, the ideas were more your own, hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like uh, to to draw a parallel, one of the things I like to do for fun is make things out of wood. You know, I like mm-hmm. working. Um, and a lot of people like to look for. Maybe this is where what we talked about a minute ago uh, kind of stemmed from for me. But a lot of people like to use Pinterest or something else to look up inspiration for ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's certain value to that learning what processes are available and what the things people have done before so you can you can work off of that you know that's how yeah. things advance but mm -hmm. so i get that but there's a creative element that's missing from that for me like i like to come up with an idea that is truly unique on my own mm -hmm. um and even though you can still come up with an idea after looking at these other pictures i guess a lot of times like i've uh, i've gone to build something and uh, somebody i've tried to describe to somebody or i've built a mock-up of it and someone's like oh like this and they pull up a pinterest picture of something some similar that somebody's done before mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's almost like my motivation to build that thing mm -hmm. is totally sapped because i'm like well crap you know mm -hmm. it's not as unique as i thought it was yeah um so you know there's it's a double-edged sword because you could say well if you stay informed on that stuff what people are doing um it sounds exhausting to me to try to keep <laughs> up with yeah but um you probably not experience that same disappointment but um also i think it like you lose the ability to, to think creatively as, yeah. as much because you just ideas are so readily available so yeah as it translates to like you know the life experiences and the podcast stuff you're talking about i wonder if you ever have like similar feelings or um so so apart from the podcast i feel like i've experienced something similar w w with the house where um where like since so many since we have such a high like turnover rate in the house um new ideas like are always like coming in and it's like really cool but like with so many people who have been in the house a lot of the time those ideas have like already been thought about or maybe like something very similar to that has been has been proposed um so for for me personally when i like when new newer people come into the house and they like come up with they propose like this really cool idea that they've been thinking about um i i having been here for a while know the those previous ideas that have been proposed and i'm like oh well this has already been done before and stuff like that so i see that like me acting and as that like mediator between new and old stifles that that new person's creativity and right. stuff like that um so that's something i see i see very often um here but uh, but with the podcast in particular um i don't know i i feel like i'm i feel like my my reasons but i'm really trying to be intentional that my reasons behind it are like are that it's really just for for me and not, i'm not like making it for other people or, tr or being like trying to be like an entertainment source um even though like i am going to be like putting putting it out there for people to listen to i really want to do it just for me and I, I think it would be so cool to for like my kids or something like that in 20 years to like listen to this and be like oh that's what dad was like when he was <laughs> when he was 23 <laughs> yeah that's actually that's a good segue into uh the the first thing we talked about, which was I was saying that there's two things that I thought were different about this conversation uh, from other conversations. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I didn't mention was that uh, in a in a regular conversation, you know, the way our, our minds work, we could sort of encode uh, our experiences, and then when we recall them, they're attached to emotions. And so every time we remember something, we change it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. intentional or, <laughs> it's you know, it's not... Maybe you can call it a flaw, but it's not anybody doing anything malicious or, or trying to alter events, but it just happens in our brains. And so mm -hmm. what's interesting about this is, you know, we'll talk about this and like my memory of this podcast experience will sort of develop 
And maybe if I don't listen to this for a while in a couple of years, I'll recall it and tell stories of this one way, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I'll listen to this and be like, that's not how the conversation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like yeah. kind of curious to, I'm not in a rush for five years to go by, but yeah. you know, I'm, like, I'm curious to, to know mm-hmm. how this uh, changes yeah. my memory of this, mm-hmm. of this experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully, hopefully it's it remains pretty pretty accurate but yeah it, it's it's funny how things change in your mind from what they actually happened it, it's i notice it when matt richie and i all get together because we'll and especially if we're talking to someone else we'll like tell a story like a travel story or something like that but then we'll each three like contribute very different parts of the story from how we saw it. And, and it creates like a really cool story and yeah. it's really fun to do but then I'm like, oh my, like, I totally didn't even remember anything that you're talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there we all three were together. <laughs> I'm sure sometimes there's heavy conflict too. Like that is not what happened. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so especially, it usually is like the person who, it might be a negative story. Like if it was about me, oh, sure, like doing right. something stupid and like, oh no, I changed that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, me either. <laughs> Are these paintings on your wall new? No, I've I've had those for a while. Um, oh, we painted along to a to a Bob Ross. Oh, <laughs> video. They're very cool. I do see some similarities there, and mm. obvious like stark differences, especially. <laughs> yeah. Very. Is that from the same? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Who painted that one? Uh, I don't know. This was for Olivia's twentieth birthday. I think it was. We all got together and for anybody who's listening, there's like it's a scene of a it looks like a lake, uh, with mountains in the background and trees on either side. Mm-hmm. Is that a lake? Yeah, yeah. It exists so. clearly and more clearly in some than others, but and one of them's got this like big colorful swirl added to it for fun, which is neat. And then there's a, a the last painting, uh, is like a some sort of dark goblin ghoul, <laughs> very uh, abstract and scary, with like green horns, I think, and a piercing eye. <laughs> it's nothing like the rest of them. Oh. Is that what you see when you look at that? I, uh, I see a big blob. <laughs> I, I like clearly see it, some sort of demonic mm. creature. When it looks like there's like another demonic head coming out of its mouth. <laughs> what are what are those images called? Or are they called Rorschach? Oh, like images? the ink blot things. Yeah, yeah. My 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 friend, my childhood friend, who his dad is a psychiatrist, and he he has those like like apparently they're super expensive um and, and they're not really I, th- I i don't think they have any like scientific backing to their usefulness i, I don't really know though but anyways he, he has like a bunch of legitimate like those rorschach images i feel like you um, probably just find them on the internet if you look yeah yeah probably but maybe he's, he's got them back from like i don't know probably like the 70s or 80s or something i, f- I feel like it would like I, th- I feel like their application of it is for if um, if you, you like present that image to someone and it like it's mainly just their their, their response and like right just I mean of course it is but like how they like how positive or negative I think if you're getting ready to do some other kind of treatment or I should preface this with you know I I have not really researched their use much at all I'm just Mm -hmm. familiar with them conversationally you Mm -hmm. know but it it stands to reason to me that um, 
if I was going to have a conversation with you about something, maybe, maybe I wanted your opinion. Maybe I was trying to help treat you for something, whatever the case might be by showing you these images and like seeing your reaction, Mm -hmm. it'll tell me something about your sort of mind state. So like I might be able to then figure out like, well, the opinion that you're presenting is, has like, is like really preventative, you know, like has like kind of like a defensive standpoint, or maybe it's like a really, you have a really promotional optimistic mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, or, and that might help me figure out like, might be a useful treatment or like a reason that you're experiencing some addiction or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm like picking arbitrary topics, but I can see how. And just you make know. you understand that person and where their, where their head's at. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's, it's like the difference between making a qualitative and a quantitative analysis of something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you look at those, you're like, well, you can't really find anything qua-. saying it's not scientific is like, well, you can't find anything quantitative about it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's true, but mm-hmm. qualitative research is real. Yeah. So it's qualitative data and it's useful. Yeah. You know? and I think that's kind of what you get. Hmm. That's a good point out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, as your first, uh, <laughs> podcast guest, uh, I'm excited to, well, I'm excited to... You haven't even recorded your intro yet, right? No, no, I haven't done any, any sort so, of intro. I want to add some sort of music, but it's going to be a bunch of copyright laws around that. So <laughs> I don't like know how to do that. Make your own music. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought about um, going to, like, Bandcamp. Do you know what Bandcamp is? It's like a, it's like a music... Like not from American Pie. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It's like a music service that um, primarily hosts, like, independent music or, or just, like... Okay not well known about labels and stuff from from across the world and uh, i thought about going on there and maybe like trying to find some artists contact info info and then somebody who'd be eager to have their stuff used yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so that's cool too especially because the whole thing of this is being on a shoestring yeah yeah (laughs) can't pay for (laughs) and if you can like if you can have like a something that helps both people out you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, if someone's gonna listen to this, you know, they might be like, "Oh, that's that song is rad," or that too, whatever, you know. Yeah. So, uh, did I just date myself with the use of the word "rad"? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I use I okay. use that word. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one will stay cool. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So then you got to think about a sign off too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Hmm. Pressure's on, Scott. Man, yeah. So all of a sudden, I turned into a radio DJ. <laughs> I mean, you can always add it. It's the perks of getting to edit it. You know? Yeah. After the last thing I say, mm. you can be like, <laughs> "That's the way the show goes." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. You want to end it there? Yeah. Thanks for inviting me on today. I really, I had a great time. It was fun to sit around and chat with you. Yeah, yeah. This um, is cool. <laughs> and then we'll get to listen to it. Yeah. On. I'd almost want to do it right now, but uh, <laughs> life beckons. We yeah. Both have things. To yeah, do we right. got a TED talk to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, well, thanks again. Appreciate it.